0: I remember the first time I uh, came to a retreat uh, like this. Um, I was uh, suffering a lot. I was experiencing a lot of uh, confusion and a lot of fear. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Fear and confusion. And um, I remember the instructions that were given were very, very little uh, instructions. Mainly on that retreat, we were invited to um, be aware of, the, of, well, basically our nose. And... Um, And my life was in turmoil, and I didn't know what was coming for me, probably a painful death, Uh, and um, what would be the word in English, ostracization, yes, thank you, (laughs) and uh, yeah, so panic and confusion and uh, lots of agitation and the instructions were um, pay attention to your nose mm. and i think i was desperate enough the conditions were right for me i was just desperate enough so that i could actually listen <laughs> i was ready to try anything and um, it You know, it would not have come to my mind that to solve... My problem was to put my attention on my nose. Like, I thought more like that thinking would do it, you know, thinking obsessively about what was coming and how to avoid it and etc. And the instructions were, yeah, when you sit, bring your attention to your nose. And later at some point there was, yeah, we'll do some walking. So just be aware of your feet, feet or foot as it lifts and moves in the air and uh, lands down. And that was pretty much it. And I remember also on some of the very long retreats here, uh, most from mid-September up to um, Christmas, this schedule, you know, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. Very little instructions. Eight thirty, a few words, and maybe at this time, seven seven thirty, a few words, and in between, nada. And there's so much learning possible in that space there. When we come to a 2,500 years old tradition, we have to come in very humbly. We can't come in with our big, uh, in French we would say, uh, "no gros sabots, our big clogs, you know, <laughs> big shoes, like... <laughs> You know, we come in... I mean, that's one way to do it, is to come in very humbly and to to be willing to be uncomfortable, to not know. And maybe to find out I think sometimes there were teachings around uh, how to be mindful of uh, mind states, emotions. But I'm not sure I could hear that I was, you know, I had the right conditions to actually hear the instructions well, you know. And I remember on one retreat, I spent a few days kind of um, soaking or in turmoil in opinions, opinions about the retreat, you know. They shouldn't do this like this. They should do this like that. And all the attention was on the outside, the, you know my opinions and what I was describing, the better, better version of the retreat. And I remember it took a few days of soaking in misery before I, you know, suddenly there was like, oh, that's painful. That's a painful way to be here. It needed that soaking <laughs> in for a few days. It's a very slow process, meditation. It's, uh, unfortunately, we're in a world of efficiency, and etc. And here we come in, and I like the kind of uh, time frame. You know, it's, uh, in Buddhist cosmology, it's lifetimes. It's release, relief, releases some of the pressure of doing it right, Right away, you know, you're like, oh, I have a whole lifetime, probably a few, to figure it out. It's a different scale, huh? It's it's good to, you know, have different views. uh... So it's really intriguing to me that uh, we would come to a place like here, you know, in in the countryside, beautiful building, really well-maintained good food people are cooking for us you know there's not much to do and we might go home and say it's the worst thing i've ever done in my life the most <laughs> difficult thing i've ever done. So, so somebody was so what was it well they were cooking for us and <laughs> we had nothing to do just sit a little bit and then walk a little bit and if we didn't want to walk we could sit or stand it was not really important it's so difficult <laughs> like i got so confused <laughs> That says a lot about our minds, I think. Anyway, I learned a lot about my mind here. you know. So now I'm like, why is it so epic? You know, like people are cooking for me. I have nothing to do all day. It's great weather. People are not annoying me with stuff. They don't talk to me. I'm left alone, <laughs> you know. What's left here? Ah, this mind. This mind is <laughs> what I'm confronted with, you know this unruly mind, this confused mind that doesn't that doesn't know how to appreciate maybe what is here or not create so much trouble. And it's very natural what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this without judgments. It's very, very natural. To me, it makes it even more clear that we need this practice. This practice is so simple in a way, no? It's not like if we were saying like, hey... You have to jump over this fence and then go in the the dirt underneath these things and then 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 climb this high and then you know, you're like no just sit a little bit. <laughs> and if sitting becomes hard just stand. It's okay. <laughs> you know, if it's too intense, just walk out. You know? So it's uh, I like the the practice is extremely simple. Right? It's, it's to me it's a little bit like a screen with nothing on it. It's just sit here. If not ear on the chair, it's okay. It's very, very simple, or walking a few feet. The simplicity of the form, because it's so not complex, to me that's the whole purpose, is because it's so simple, it shows up, it it shows us, it reveals the behavior of our mind. Like here, somebody will start comparing. It's just, it's a blank screen, there's nothing... You could put well-being on it, but instead I'll put comparing. This person is doing better than me, and they're walking more graciously than me, and it's interesting, why that? Yet, that's what happens. For one person, it's, you know, comparing. For another, it's wanting to be somewhere else. For another, it's an opinion about how it should be run, this retreat, (laughs) you know, in times of COVID, you know. And uh and this wakefulness, this waking up, this insight, this vipassana seeing deeply, vipassana, seeing deeply, is is this, is this suddenly becoming aware, like, oh, what's truly going on here? What's happening here? The mind is creating something, you know? Because in the immediacy of here it's not so much of a threat going on. And, but the mind will create something. Again, no judgments here. We're just discovering, oh, and there might be another way to hold this, instead of holding self or others with judgments. But first we have to soak in it, to really take in how... Maybe to take in how how painful it is to live in these minds that haven't been trained. It's very, you know, it was not there in society that offer, or it was not possible until now. You know, until we had this idea that hey, maybe I could do something with this mind or heart. And so one kind of uh, insight... So here we're practicing vipassana, vipassana. Seeing deeply. Or insight, insight. So one kind of insight that we gain in the course of practice over the years is um, a discernment. That's another word for wisdom. Wisdom the capacity to discern, to recognize what are the different ways uh, that um, the different mind states and those that are helpful or less helpful. Anushka talked about this today. It's a very particular kind of wisdom. It's good to know what we're doing here. I would like tonight to talk a little bit about two kinds of wisdom two kinds of wisdom that helps free the mind one kind of wisdom is the starting to recognize which are the mind states that are beneficial for me in my relationships and which ones are not so beneficial and two, as Anushka was saying learn to abandon not cultivate those that are not helpful and to um, appreciate, recognize, cultivate uh, those that are helpful. And I go back to just sitting or just walking. There's a lot to be discovered in just walking back and forth a little bit, because we're going to see how the mind is holding this. If I'm walking back and forth for 30, 35, 40 minutes with a mind that wants to be somebody else somewhere else, It might take a few times maybe 10 20 30 minutes or 10 15 20 times 20 minutes (laughs) before I find out that it's exhausting it's not very economical to walk in this way and by practicing at some point there'll be a different way to walk where the mind is not making creating opinions or anything. It's just stepping, stepping. And by experiencing it, this is vipassana. Insight is experiential. It's not worth much a teacher telling us or us reading about it. It's not happening at that level. It's happening at the empirical level, at the experiential level. To actually experience a walking Um, under the spell of opinions and to experience a walking in presence in simple presence to the quality of the air or the wind that is coming up or the humidity or to just experience the two is what we call we can call insight to know exact oh that's very different mind state it's the same walking But the quality of mind is very different. And we don't get to choose exactly. Sometimes it's just the conditions are such that suddenly I'm a little bit more available as I sit outside on the bench. Before I was sitting outside, but under the spell, under occupation, with future, 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 next week, like the rest of my life, etc. And because here we have... These days, all these days, we get to experience different uh, ways of sitting on a bench outside. And at some point, that's how insight arises, we start to understand, oh, here's another way to sit outside. Oh, look at this. The mind is not comparing or wanting something else. It just happens not to. Wow. It feels like a more uh, helpful way to live. And so here we get to do this, and we sit here maybe with uh, physical discomfort and a lot of resistance, very natural that there would be resistance. And at some point there might be something, the conditions change, and it's still painful, but suddenly I don't resist so much. Maybe there's a little curiosity or a little tenderness, or I'm just tired of that, wanting it to be otherwise. You know, Ugh, tired to to want you know this person to breathe more subtly or to not feel this. Like, okay, be there, pain. You know, and suddenly you're like, oh, that's okay. It's uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable. Oh. You know, it's held differently. An example that just comes to mind for me is... uh, So I could sit... See if you recognize something for yourself. I could sit uh, here on a cushion. And if there is something maybe unresolved in my life, some conflict or something, or some uncertainty, I could spin the whole time of the sit, you know, like, what am I going to do with this? When is it going to end? What if it, uh, uh, have you experienced this? So, in the face of uncertainty or unresolvedness, I can produce a lot of thoughts trying to not feel uncertainty or the unresolved. And what I've discovered through practice is that maybe I can be sitting here and if I recognize this, you know, that I'm trying, fighting against the experience of uncertainty or something being unresolved, at some point, maybe I get to experience it differently. Oh, can it be okay, Pascal, that something hasn't been figured out yet? Oh, yeah, it can be okay that I don't know how it's going to turn out or what I'm going to do with this. Oh. My relationship with this just before was that I can't afford this. It's not possible. I need to find a solution. I need to know what's going to happen. Do you recognize this a bit? And then I learned. So that's the discernment for me. Oh, there's another way to be with uncertainty. Maybe with willingness or some... Level of acceptance. Oh, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Oh, oh, I can make space for this. Oh, okay. So, here with this silence, that's why the silence is so precious, is we get to soak in different mind states and slowly start to have more clarity about the different mind states and which ones are helpful or not. It's a long process, but it can be very, very freeing. I remember somebody uh, being on retreat and describing after a couple of days, saying, you know, when we came in, I had this the feeling like, um, let's say I was at the tea urn, and there was somebody behind me, and suddenly I had this sense like, oh, I shouldn't have taken tea, you know, I'm using all the space, you know, like I shouldn't, like I didn't need tea, I, you know, and um, this was back in the days maybe when the rooms were shared, you know, and the person was like, I was, later I was laying on the bed in the afternoon, you know, and my roommate came in, you know, and I was like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I should let her have the space, you know, and the room. I didn't need to lay down, you know. And then, you know, I would go to the bathroom, come out of the bathroom. Somebody was waiting for the bathroom. Oh, my God, I could have just held it, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, she, and so the relationship was this, that it was believed as factual, you know, that I, I shouldn't be there or like this slight kind of a, not really conscious, but this idea. But after a few days of practice, the person was describing this with a smile. They were saying, hey, like I'm discovering a way I hold things that I was not so aware of, but because of the <laughs> silence and the rec- uh, recurrence, the, the regularity maybe of this impression, suddenly I'm discovering something, you know. And so instead of being uh, duped, would that be a word here? duped by this this uh, impression that i'm i shouldn't exist basically <laughs> i'm i'm taking too much space in life you know like instead of living from that assumption or preconceived ideas or conditioned idea you know suddenly i'm starting to question it that's mindfulness i'm starting to see oh that is a little strange you know like why do i buy into this and now the rapport was changing And the person was saying, Pascal, I can't wait for this to come back again. Because now I'm not duped anymore. I actually want to see it arise in my life, you know. And I bet I will. But I'm not going to buy into it as much now. And the smile was showing to me that there was some gaining of freedom. Instead of being under the spell of that impression, Suddenly the rapport was changing. There was another way to hold this. Instead of believing this, there was a kind of questioning this or maybe learning to let go of this, dis- disempowering that impression. So that's part of what happens here. Insight into, you know, conditionings, beliefs, belief systems, uh, etc., So that's one kind of uh, wisdom. Parenthesis here on the schedule, it says evening instructions and sitting. We might never get to the sitting. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. But I I have strong doubts. (laughs) Unless maybe we could vote, would you prefer sitting? (laughs) Maybe some of you would, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, first kind of uh, insight or clarification or gaining of a discernment is an experiential, leaving it, living it, living, living, uh, with awareness, with lucidity, becoming aware of what's at play, the way we hold things, and learning maybe, uh, you know, uh, takes maybe a moment of... Uh, benevolence, you know, it could be a, a moment of benevolence received or felt in one's own our heart or received from, you know, somebody in the community for a moment uh, received with more sensitivity what we're developing here, more sensitivity more, more presence fullness of presence and suddenly we, it becomes clear to us in a felt way maybe I knew intellectually that benevolence would be better than self-loathing but to experience it for just a second truly can really be powerful because now we have a felt reference of the effect of benevolence inside oneself or in a relationship and so there's something that nobody can take from us it's a lived experience that's what we call insight vipassana. That's one kind of uh, wisdom. Another kind of wisdom. Interested? <laughs> okay. Another kind of wisdom. These are things we've talked about, uh, we've evoked in different ways here. and I'm tr- trying to bring it uh, tonight, maybe again or more, more clearly or, or um, really state it. And so by becoming aware of uh, the phenomenon that are each phenomenon, becoming aware of all the phenomena, each phenomenon, (laughs) tick, I learned that on this (laughs) retreat. As it's happening, a step, an in-breath, an experience of calm or discomfort, a moment of hearing, or tasting, a moment of seeing, by becoming very close to—sometimes we use the wording maybe intimate—with experience. What we're doing is we're diving under assumptions. We live from a lot of assumptions. I'm suggesting things. See if it's true for you or not. When I was I don't know what two, three years old, I learned what was a t- tree. So now. I'm going around, tree, plant, window, you know, don't care. You know, it's all organized in my mind, you know. And we come here and we're like, hey, let's experience a step again. We're like, my God, I solved this, uh, you know, when I was one and a few months, you know. But here, let's experience it again. Let's have a new, reactualizing memory when teacher. On this stage, I heard them say that. Like, let's have the newer version of bread. Or tea. Or summer breeze. You know, instead of, oh yeah. Let's come close to experience. So dive underneath assumptions, conceptions. uh, And come and experience a step. Experience quietness. Experience silence, this silence. Experience the body, this body just now. Or this body later lying down. Let's experience this breath, not a breath, oh yeah, breath, breath, I know breath. No, this breath, this mind at this time, at this very time, at this moment here now. And so we come very close to each experience, one experience at a time and by doing this in time over time what we'll start to do first we'll have uh, we'll experience the specificity of this step of this mind at this point today you know or this i don't know uh, taste now and I, and already in this there's freedom to be gained freedom from the known that's the title of a book in the spiritual realm that is really well-known, I think, for many. Freedom from the known. So freedom from habits. Suddenly we can, you know, sometimes some of us want, we want to go on trips because we want newness. We want to get out of what we know, you know, to have that freshness. So mindfulness can give us that. Being particularly attentive, suddenly we get to experience things for the first time. What I've heard on retreats, People say, wow, the porridge here. (laughs) I remember a long time ago, I was cooking on retreats, and somebody was like, I need to get your recipe for porridge, Pascal. (laughs) It's like oats, boiling water, (laughs) a little salt, and special ingredient, your presence. Or somebody saying, wow, the rice, I never... You know, or I thought I didn't like—I don't know—celery or dry figs or something. And it's like, wow! Suddenly, I I gave it a new try, Mm -hmm. underneath assumptions. And so we're discovering all this here: what it is to be, even what I call "I," I, 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 I. I, I have a lot of ideas about "I," but what is the actual experience just now? I don't care. I care about my thoughts about I. I don't care about the experience of it. And so we come really close to experience. And as we come close, we get to experience the specificity of all things, of different the different things. Freed from assumptions and concepts, we get to experience uh, each thing. And as we do this over time, I'm, I'm thinking here at least a decade least one first decade of practice. And over time, by paying attention, what we start to notice, and it might take, go much faster than this, than what I'm describing, a decade, see for yourself, but what we start to see is what every one of these events have in common. Something smelled, something heard, something of felt in the body, an emotion or image or thought, (coughs) what all the things that we've been experiencing here have in common, each of the things you've experienced, those that are pleasant, those those that were unpleasant, all these experiences have in common to be ephemeral. They arise and pass. Or, don't believe me, that's not the point, that's more like let's go and see if it's true. This is very central in Buddhist teaching. The capacity uh, and I think I h- might have heard you, Anushka, talk about um, training in perceptions, or s- some, some expression of this. <laughs> anyway, that's one way that I understand this here. We're training ourselves, uh, we're doing a Cognitive training or training in perception. When we tend to hook up to, I like this, this I don't like, that's mine, that's not mine. uh, This is okay, this is not okay. What we train ourselves to notice here, underneath, what all these things have in common, is that they arise and pass. Opinions arise and pass. Tastes arise and pass. Sensations arise and pass. Weather arises and pass. Uh, everything that we experience here arise and pass or morphs into something else. You know, there might be dejection and suddenly it's not just dejection, it's dejection ten times ten, you know, or sadness or longing. Anything you experience it has in its nature to pass. And the practice, the Buddhist practice, the practice of mindfulness, is to see this more and more clearly. Instead of focusing on this I want, this I don't want, what do these two things have in common? Health and dis-ease. It's in their nature to pass. Health comes, and at some point goes. When the mind, heart, understands this very deeply, vipassana, not just intellectually, oh yeah, of course, everything passes, but more deeply, touched by this, probably touched many, many times, with a clear mind, with a present mind, a stable mind, not a mind that has a superficial attention, like a lot of the time our minds, but a mind that stays with experience. To see the taste arise and pass, to see the sit Arise and pass. This shit is never going to end. Stay tuned. At some point, ding, it's gone. This opinion, this sense of moi, I might have suddenly an impression that I'm a piece of shit. Stay tuned. It might get worse. (laughs) Or it might dissipate. At some point, and something else might appear. Itch in the knee, you know, and suddenly that big opinion about self. And so to notice this can bring a lot of freedom. Oh, this is passing through. That shame, for example, that can arise. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, many have. You know, before i didn't want to feel this suddenly it comes oh shame let me know this it does its thing ah oh, it's so painful ah it's passing through passing through ah, ah. impermanent ephemeral fugitive that's one thing that all things have in common And we pay attention here to see this. And that's what we call wisdom, is a deep understanding of the ephemeral nature of relationships, of health, of status or identities, of thoughts, desires, views and opinions, perceptions, bubbles, mirage, Another thing that we'll discover, maybe, that's Vipassana again, is coming so close to each experience, staying with it, so that we can see it arise and pass. Seeing this over time, we're going to discover that everything has in its nature, do not believe me, we're here to check it out. Everything has it in its nature to be Slightly defective from the point of view of a human being because of the ephemeral nature of things. It makes things unreliable. (coughs) I cannot count on memory. I have such a good memory. Such a good memory. And one day lack of sleep and suddenly or as we know, you know, suddenly, diagnosis. Memory is ephemeral. Health is ephemeral. Relationships are moving. You know, I remember on the kids' retreat, uh, on the family retreat here one time, I don't know, it came to be, but I w- I, it's like almost 20 years ago, and I was a, there was a young person, I wonder if they were not like, Seven or anyway, we we did some some we were doing some practices. Very, you know, with kids, it's not never very long. You know, just a couple of minutes. Or and uh, we were going around in a little circle, and we're like, "What happened for you? What you know?" They're like, "Oh, I liked it, and the sand was going. Anyway, and one one uh, young uh, person said, uh, they said. Oh, a friend is not always a friend. That was their insight. (laughs) I remember this, this is 20 some years ago. Like, it was so, there was a moment of clarity, like, oh, what I call a friend is a little bit more uneven than this or unstable than this. That's the kind of, it seemed to me like an insight, like the way they were describing it. It was very simple. It was like, hey, A friend is not always a friend. Like, I don't know anyway, maybe I'm putting something that wasn't there in it. But I remember I was shocked by it. I was like, wow, this person just saw the impermanent, fluctuating nature of what we project as permanent or solid or satisfying. They just saw that, oh, it's a little defective. You can't actually completely count on this, you know. And so here we come uh, closer to event. To It will seem very negative <laughs> maybe to you. I don't know how you receive it. To me, the first, times I, I, the first time I heard this was relieving. It was freeing for me. I was like, ah, oh, thank you for saying this. Like that's how I've experienced the world, but I always thought it was me. Like that I, that I didn't do things right and things were showing there. Wow, oh, that's a good way to release some of the greed and clinging that we have in life. You know, I want this, I want this. Actually, it cannot actually totally provide. Do I go for it anyway? Maybe I do. You know, maybe the expectations we have on other people. Hey, when I saw you on Tinder, <laughs> you looked so satisfying. And now that we're having coffee, I'm quite disappointed. (laughs) You know? Or I keep going to these retreats and workshops to make a perfect version of myself. And God, it doesn't work. It can't. And the last thing we might find out as we practice because things are impermanent ephemeral because they're conditional they happen only when conditions are get together like this retreat for example is very conditional we'd have a new wave of this pandemic and suddenly we would cancel it or last year for example it didn't happen in this form, although we've been doing this for a dozen years, Anushka and I, I believe, here, things are conditional. That's why they're impermanent and unstable. And because they're impermanent, unstable, and conditional, nothing, not one thing, it says in the teaching, that's for us to go check out. Not one thing can be ours. Truly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's going to escape at some point, disappear. The other, have you noticed, cannot really be mine. Because they might be taken away in some way, or change their mind about us. You know, my sense of humor, my sense of humor... I've seen it a few times in my life where it was not mine anymore, it was gone. Not exactly mine. You know, change the conditions a little bit and suddenly the sense of humor, gone. Not exactly mine, conditional. And so as we pay attention here, we start to notice how things are fluctuating. We cannot absolutely control we just sit here. And you would say, my mind, you know, I'll decide what to do with it. It comes up with all kinds of opinions and memories and ideas. It can be confronting to hear or find out, maybe. But also, there's some level of freedom that we can gain that's really Essential Buddhist teachings here that these senses that we get to experience are not exactly ours. you know one day they won't be sight anymore or smell or taste or mobility, memory so. Maybe it can help us make uh, realize, uh, become aware of how precious these things are. That we take for granted, maybe. Or that we take for solid and permanent in mind. Not exactly. And so these understanding or insights have the capacity to open the heart to compassion. When we know that all of us have in common that we are going to lose something that is dear to us at some point. That can, it has the potential to open the heart. Oh, we're all in this together, the fragility of life, of relationships, of health. How things can turn quickly. And what is born when we become aware of this deeply inside is the wish for well-being, I think, is one thing that Practitioners describe benevolence, the wish to take care of relationships, less clinging of the mind. <clears throat> so we're invited to come very, very close yeah, to this the ephemeral nature of every event. So we pay attention, and you'll notice in a few moments the sit or meeting will end. Well, it could sound like, "Oh, well, that's a great idea. I'm happy about this, or it's uh, not very relevant. But as we pay attention, we see all things disappear all day long, from morning to night. The mind, uh, in contact with impermanence, at some point understands deeply the ephemeral nature of things. Like one um, practitioner at the time of the Buddha... She was, uh, she's saying in the poem of uh, Awakening, she's saying all day, sit, walk, sit, walk. I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but it's, it's very close to this. All day, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, diligently, no wisdom gained. At night, blowing on the flame of the candle, everything understood. All day, paying attention, paying attention to each rising step, each disappearing step, each breath appearing, disappearing, each thought appearing, disappearing, emotions appearing, disappearing. All day, watching this, no wisdom gained, at night, not giving up, present at the moment of blowing the candle, everything understood. Let's sit for a moment. May we all be able to stabilize our mind enough to see the comings and goings, the arisings and passings of uh, phenomena so that we can see the ephemeral, dreamlike nature of all things. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you.